good to see you all. Thank you all for coming today. Those of you who grew up with little siblings or have children or grandchildren, nieces or nephews, intimately understand just how impressionable children and adolescents can be. It's common even for older teens to say things that they don't necessarily mean or understand, and this is a normal and healthy part of development. It means that a child is trying to mimic their environments and learning to communicate what they have absorbed through it. And that is why it is incredibly important to have control over your child's environment to ensure that they are learning things that will foster their growth into healthy, functional, and happy adults. Through all, thing, through all the highs and lows and tears from both parent and child as they grow up, watching firsthand how every single experience, from scraped knees to beginning puberty to graduation and your love and discipline through it all, you are shaping your child into who they will be or who they are as an adult. And no matter how hard it is or was, there is one thing you understand innately. None of these experiences could or should be opted out of, no matter how difficult. And yet, entire institutions now reject this wisdom that we have had for millennia and are fighting to remove responsibility from the parents and place it onto the child so that they can make the choice to avoid adult, the development that they would otherwise need in order to grow up. They want children to be stripped of their innocence because they believe that children are no different from adults, that they too have full agency of themselves, that they also are sexual beings, and that everyone has an innate understanding of their identity from conception. They believe that a child's immature view of the world and themselves takes precedence over the judgment of those who know them best, their parents and their caretakers. There is a movement of immature, power-hungry adults who want to rid the world of all structure and all good, threatening to rip children from their loving families and place them into the clutches of a tyrannical government and those who blindly abide to it. My name is Chloe Cole, and when I was a child, I fell victim to these same institutions that prey on innocence. As a girl, I struggled greatly with my identity, and especially the fact that I would one day grow from a girl into a woman. Growing up as a tomboy and being autistic and having a tendency to think outside the box, I often felt that I was out of place amongst other girls, even down to the way that I looked. I felt like I would never be curvy or beautiful or feminine enough to make a proper woman. And I didn't ask to bleed out of my body every month for half of my life. And I feared the responsibility of pregnancy and motherhood. I also had experienced a sexual assault in my eighth grade year that ultimately went unreported because I couldn't confide in the same teachers and school staff who refused to help me with my studies to make me feel safe. I felt in a lot of ways that life would be better if I were a boy. And sometimes I even questioned why I was born this way. And though it weighed on my heart and my mind heavily, most of these feelings and experiences were not all quite uncommon for a girl my age. And with time and care, I likely would have just come to accept and embrace womanhood by the time that I was an adult. But we'll never know for sure, because I wasn't given that chance. The doctors that my mom and dad confided in to help them raise me instead, let my preteen misunderstandings dictate the rest of my life. When I told mom and dad that I was not their daughter, and instead that I wanted to be their son, they were understandably cautious. On one hand, they saw that I was struggling to establish my identity and my role in the world, and they wanted to be supportive and accommodating within boundaries. On the other hand, though, this was 
an entirely new concept to them. And they had never heard anything like this from any of my older siblings, though they did have a healthy dose of skepticism. And they could see immediately that this was just another part of my struggles with puberty and fitting in. And after doing some research online, it appeared that Kaiser Permanente, which was our healthcare provider, was considered to be the top choice in the state of California for therapy of gender dysphoric children and adolescents. They decided that they would hire a psychologist to help me cope with these feelings and to help them with raising me through it. And they expected nothing more. They had no idea what was to come, but that my doctors would behave more like activists and cater to my feelings rather than my needs, even as, even as my parents began to express their concerns. When I told them that I really was a boy, they nodded their heads along and strictly expected the very same of my parents, telling them that they were supposed to affirm me for the sake of my mental health. However, the actual therapist that I was seeing was so inept that even though he affirmed me and he treated me affirmatively in regards to my preferred name and pronouns, he ignored real struggles that I was experiencing at home and with my peers. And I started to feel more and more hopeless. I was an outcast amongst my peers and I felt like I had nobody to really confide in. I personally struggled with experiencing puberty earlier than most of my classmates starting at roughly the age of eight or nine. And I had a previous diagnosis and course of medication for ADHD and symptoms that were indicative that I actually had autism as well as a body image disorder and even an eating disorder at the time. But my stress related to my body was almost entirely attributed just to the way that I was born. During the screening process for my gender dysphoria, I was asked, vague questions such as, when did these feelings begin? And I answered that it was earlier in my childhood, roughly around when I started puberty, because I naively thought that the things that made me tomboyish meant that I had the brain of a boy. And when children think of what it is that makes men men and women women, they think of stereotypes. Any sensible adult knows that upon asking a child what makes a man a man, and what makes a woman a woman. More likely than not, they're thinking about things like what clothing somebody wears, or how they do their hair, rather than the set of characteristics that they were born with. And when mom and dad were reasonably concerned about what this path would entail for me, as any good parent would be, my doctors were quick to push back. They emotionally manipulated them, telling them that there was no other choice, that I would commit suicide were I not allowed to transition, and instead went through puberty as normal. And this was a massive lie. I had no such feelings of suicidality. At worst, I had this feeling of uncertainty about my future, not quite unlike many other adolescents. I was going through the usual ebbs and flows that marked the beginning of teenhood. That is, until I began transitioning medically. They took my parents' love for me, and they twisted it into fear for my life in order to do so. What wouldn't a parent do to keep their child alive and well when they were told that they could outlive them? After only about half a year of counseling, I was administered my first shot of Lupron to suppress my puberty. The lack of sex hormones after years of pubescence essentially triggered a chemically induced childhood onset menopause for me. And I began to experience hot flashes accompanied by itching and tingling sensations all over my body.
along with lethargy on a daily basis. And mind you, I was 13 and a half, still finishing up my eighth grade year of middle school. And this medication that I was on made me feel more like I was about four times my age when I was an otherwise perfectly healthy kid. I was starting on a course of weekly testosterone injections after my first dose of blockers, which soothed some of my menopausal symptoms and brought on a temporary period of gender euphoria that I thought I truly would become a boy. And my body was now rapidly changing, and I slowly looked more and more like a boy with each coming day. My eyebrows, eyelashes, the hair on my head and my face and my arms and legs began to thicker, began to thicken and grow darker. The fat started to disappear from my hips and thighs, and my upper body and shoulders began to widen. And I even started to develop quite a bit of muscle. And I really liked these changes at first. It was the best looking that I had ever felt in my life up until that point. I felt like I had control over myself for once. My voice dropped very quickly and very deep after only about a few weeks of being on it. And eventually it was even lower than that of most of the boys my age. But my peers still knew me as a girl. And for them, it was only jarring really to watch me change so suddenly in my eighth grade year. And because of this, I decided that it would be fruitless to tell any teachers or anybody who I didn't know very well or make any further efforts to blend in until I was in high school. I didn't care to hide my breasts until one day a bully went too far and he assaulted me in the classroom. And the incident was scarring in several ways. It took place in a fairly crowded classroom and yet none of my classmates either noticed nor cared enough to report it or make sure that I was okay. And this made me feel like I didn't matter, that I was unimportant. Not to mention that I was already in a very unhealthy mindset. I believed that I was a boy and that I couldn't let anything get to me. I just had to tough it out and man up. Even if I wanted to report my assault to the office, I couldn't trust that they would take appropriate action to make me feel safe because I never felt welcome there in the first place, and they didn't even care to work with my 504 IEP plan. And ultimately, the incident went unresolved. And even though I largely forgot about it after I entered high school, that fear of being taken advantage sexually stayed in the back of my mind for years to come. And it subconsciously played a major role in my decision to begin hiding my breasts with a binder and to eventually get rid of them Upon entering high school, I looked pretty much like any other boy my age. And few students, other than the people who I went to elementary and middle school with, knew that I was actually a woman. And I was even using the boys' restroom and locker facilities. And now I was living my life as Leo. <coughs> and I left my old identity as a woman behind. And that's how things really were meant to, the, to be, I thought. And yet, after that first year or so of living the new life that I and my doctors had created for me, my life began to fall apart. It became difficult for me to focus on my studies, and my grades began to drop rapidly. There were girls who had crushes on me, but I had no interest because I was still largely attracted to men. And now that I resembled a boy, there were a few boys who were reciprocate attraction, making me feel incredibly lonely as I watched my peers enter their first relationships. 
and I became a vulnerable target for predatory adult men who had lied to me that they loved me or saw any worth in me in order to gain my trust and take advantage of me. And now that I was seen as a boy, I was expected to adhere by male social norms, and that meant that I had very little room to be vulnerable with those around me about my struggles in my personal life. And the testosterone made it much harder for me to cry and to process negative emotions such as anger and sadness. And this often led to me bubbling up and having outbursts. Eventually, I had been diagnosed with and medicated for major depression in my sophomore year. And with each day that came, I felt more and more like I was missing something. I would come home and take off my binder or the compression garment that I used to hide my breasts after every day of school. And I was sick of binding after doing it for years. And I wanted to be able to take my shirt off with no worries like a man could. Just a few months after my depression diagnosis, I started seeking a, surgery, a surgeon to perform top surgery on me, which really is just a euphemism for a double mastectomy with areolar skin grafts. And usually such an invasive surgery is reserved for patients who are at risk of developing aggressive forms of breast cancer or for, for those who are already in, in late stage cancer. But I was completely healthy. And of course, my surgeon and other doctors on the team knew this. My parents pushed back, probably even harder this time. But they were given the ultimatum once again. Dead child or living transgender child, it's your choice. <coughs> I ended up undergoing surgery just a month before my 16th birthday. And the post-op recovery process was a living hell. Mentally, psychologically, emotionally, physically. I'm still struggling to heal. It's been well over three years since. And unexpectedly, my healing really started to go downhill at around the two years post-op mark. And the areolar grafts essentially became open wounds and started to bleed and weep fluid. And I have to bandage my chest every day. It's incredibly shameful for me just to talk about, just to even acknowledge. And it serves as a stark reminder that this will always be part of me years after my transition has ended. What an incredibly stupid premise. A physical treatment for a psychiatric condition, it's really not any different from a lobotomy. I was supposed to feel better, more like my real self as a man. But contrary to what I was told to expect out of treatment, I only became more keenly aware of the fact that no surgery and certainly no course of pharmaceuticals would ever turn me into a man. The scars that I thought I would embrace became nothing more than a reminder of what once was. And as the years and months counted down to my adulthood, I started to wonder, when will I enter my first romantic relationship? Will I get married? What will my family life look like? How will I have children after years of being on hormonal treatments? What will my sons and daughters call me? Would I be mom or would I be dad? The more I pondered it, the more it became clear that I would be giving up the things that make adulthood beautiful if I continued to live in this childlike mindset. I've already lost parts of myself forever. And the sudden epiphany was incredibly painful for me. And less than a year after surgery, I began to reject my transition. And even though now I call myself things like a detransitioner or former trans kid, 
I don't think any one word or phrase can really capture the sheer destruction of my childhood. And in detransitioning, I lost a lot. It was an incredibly difficult decision to make because I was so deep into it. I felt a lot of guilt because everybody in my life knew me as a boy and my family was invested in it and especially my mom and dad. And it seemed that it was all for naught. And it was shameful to admit that after years of being in it, that I was wrong. And after going off the hormones, I didn't really have any guidance as to how I should do that. So I did it cold turkey. And for a very long time, my hormones were quite imbalanced. And this made it so that I was emotionally at my worst. And I burnt a lot of bridges during that time. I lost pretty much all my friends my senior year of high school. I lost all my friends within the transgender community. This community that once embraced me as if they were a second family was now incredibly cruel to me, blaming me as the victim of this ideology, of this treatment. And the response from the transgender community, just to me talking about my regret, as well as discovering that there were entire communities online of thousands of other people who have had an experience not too dissimilar from my own, had really motivated me to start speaking out on this. And I mean, not, not soon before I started detransition, um, some of my older siblings started to have children of their own and just being a part of their, their lives and watching them grow up really had changed my perspective on things. And I realized that I wanted to live in a world where I could see them grow up and feel comfortable knowing that they and other children will not be subjected to the things that I have in my childhood. And that's why I speak here today. Thank you.